0: Anybody who even likes baseball, much less loves it, you need to go to the Hall of Fame. It's a marvelous experience. It's, it's really fantastic. Now, so just, avoid it, just avoid it on induction weekend if you're that's to right. see everything. That's right. Um, but as far as the system and the constituents, no offense, I'm not on board with the keepers of the game. But that's a separate issue. Relative sure. to how it works, I see your point
1: completely. I really do. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I just, you know, I... It's hard to say. I mean, you know, I always, I always look at a guy when I'm, you know, evaluating players, and, and some of them obviously now you see more of them now than you used to see because you have the interleague play and you have more games on television and things like that. I mean, I admit there were there were times back in the early days when I was voting when I'd be voting on a guy who played entirely the American League and I had to look up stuff about him because yeah. I really just didn't have the eye test about him, you know. But but I always, you know, my, my first and I know statistics are important and I look at them and I, I, you know, I do take the voting very seriously. But I do think that. A lot of times it's simply the eye test to me i mean like when i watch this player play that i consider him a hall of fame player and it's usually a pretty good yes or no and if i have to say well i'm not sure then i probably you know don't belong voting for him you know so i mean i think because it's you know and, and i think the other thing about the whole thing is the one thing that bothers me a little bit is as long as we're in the conversation is that i i've never i don't remember any year in my voting career and i don't remember how many years that is now 20 something um that I voted for all 10 candidates. that you had a you, you know, maximum of 10 candidates you could vote for, I don't, I've don't. never felt the need to vote for 10. So, you know, that and people complain about that all the time. Oh, I couldn't couldn't room for them on my ballot because I, you know, I had to vote for 10 guys. So I've never had that that problem. So I don't really understand the whole argument about that you could only vote for, for 10 guys. But, you know, that Mauer and, and Beltrail will go in tonight and maybe Helton and maybe Wagner, they'll be close. And, you know, I voted for all of them. I mean, I think they're all deserving you know, some years the ballot is more crowded than others, but it's, uh, and, and you know, you talk about the system being flawed, uh, I don't know, I don't know what a perfect system would be, you know, you have to have an election, I mean, you have to have, you know, you can't, I don't think you can arbitrarily have this guy hit 300 home runs or he goes into the Hall of Fame, you know, I mean, I think there has to be an election process of some sort, so I don't, you know, maybe there's a better way to do it, I'm not sure. There
0: can't be a worse way. <laughs> What's your biggest problem with it? Well, because everything changes all the time, and um, I, I, I don't have any difference with that election than any other election, including sure. local politics, state politics, national politics. Look at anything that's voted on, and it's always screwed up. <laughs> but w- what's the better answer? Well, if the Hall would pay me, I'd fix it. I'm not going to give it to him for free.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, the one, the one biggest problem we've had in, in, as an electorate body, I think, in the last few years is how you handle all the steroid era players. You know, and I think that's, you know, I don't, And I don't know the answer to that either. I mean, I have a pretty consistent record. I don't, I, anybody who that we have 100% evidence of or admitted to using them or was suspended for using them, I've, to my knowledge, unless I slipped up somewhere along the way, I've never voted for them. So and, and is that the right answer? I don't know. But, well, you, you vote, know.
0: did you vote for Helton?
1: Yes. Well, he
0: was exposed as a juicer right here on this radio station. <laughs> he, well, he did. He did. Wayne Hagan. Okay, who said that Todd Helton told him, told our formerly our own Kenny Strode. Do you remember the, the flack over that? And then they all did the backpedal and the cover-up, and they sent uh, uh, Jean-Pierre out to talk to the media about it and cover it all up. Hey, I get it. But my whole, I've got your answer on how to handle the steroid issue. Jean-Pierre? Yeah. <laughs> I, I I, they're either all in or all out. A few of us caught that. It was great. Yeah, they're e- they're yeah, either I, all in, I, I, Rob, I or they're I mean. all out. And if you say yeah. they're all out, then they're all out. I I respect. Yeah. I absolutely respect that. And if you say they're all in, I'm okay with that too because they they were playing against each other. And depending on who right. you talk to, anywhere from 50 to 80 percent of the players in that Correct. era juiced.
1: Yeah. yeah, we don't know unless you were there and saw it firsthand. First or hand,
0: or you, you get know. firsthand you know ken caminetti told me that yeah right correct so
1: that's the only way you know
2: yeah the interesting thing is like a guy like david ortiz did test positive for a banned substance but he's lovable frank come on (laughs) because of his affable personality he gets in and then we have gary sheffield with his 508 home runs still waiting to get in do
1: you believe he gets in I uh, think no, he's gonna be short. I think he's gonna be just short. I mean, I think eventually he probably gets in with a veterans committee pick somewhere online. But this is his tenth and final year on the ballot, and I think he's gonna be just just short based on you know based on the what we've seen. They're both you know it's probably just a little about half, maybe not quite, maybe a little over half of the ballots that have been already released publicly. So based on that percentage, it looks like he's gonna be just short. But you you don't know for sure. We'll know tonight.
2: A guy like Jim Edmonds, um, will he go the uh the Ted Simmons route, I don't think you'll have to wait quite as long. But if you had to guess, Rob, do you believe that Jim Edmonds will eventually end up in Cooperstown?
1: I think it'll be close. I mean, I think all those Veterans Committee picks are, are uh different, and again, you talk about a system that's kind of flawed, it's a special committee appointed by the Hall and it's made up of, of, and there's different era committees, so there's different committees every year different periods of time that they consider or executives or umpires or things like that but it's all made up of of either ex-players or major league executives and a few writers on the committee, so if you happen to have an error when you know some of his Edmunds buddies or contemporaries are on the committee that evaluates the ballot that year he's got a lot better chance to get in than if there's an he's on the ballot or gets con- up for consideration on a year that he doesn't have friends on the committee so it's that's you know that's that's always kind of an interesting thing, too, is you kind of can tell who's got an odds of getting in on a particular year based on who makes up the committee. It's a rotating committee. It's never the same people. I think you can stay on it for two or three years, and then you rotate off. So it's it, the makeup of the committee is always a little bit different.
0: You know, uh, going back to a, a comment you had a little bit earlier, everybody's eye test is different. That's one of the things, Correct. again, when you're voting, you see a guy and you say, Boy, that looks—he looks like a Hall of Famer to me. And Frank would go, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think so." Who's right? Who's wrong? I guess it matters when the vote comes out five years after they're retired. But to me, Jim Edmonds had Hall of Fame talent, but injuries yeah. and other issues kept him from having those numbers.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think he's close. I mean, I'm not I'm not guaranteeing that he's going to get in or knock it in. I think he's close. I mean, I think he's one of those fringe. Fringe players, and if it's a, you know, and, and part of his problem the year that he was on the ballot, which I think now, not doing off memory, I think it was 2016, I think it was the year that he was on the ballot, was a stacked year. I mean, you still had a lot of really good players, and that happens sometimes. Yeah. And then maybe that's the year that you to vote for 10 guys because there's a lot of guys that are deserving on there. So he probably was a victim of that a little bit because of who else was on the ballot. And that's always a consideration, too. Like, you know, for example, this year now, if or, or assuming that Beltre and, and Maurer Get in tonight, then they're, you know, you don't have to worry about them anymore. And Sheffield will be off the ballot because it's his 10th year. But then you have Wagner and, and Helton. So you got to think they're okay. They're, you know, the two leading guys for next year. It was most, you know, getting the most votes. Andrew Jones will be close tonight. Um, then you got Carlos Beltran. There's we'll left to start worrying about her at some point. And then you got. The new guys for next year, which are the leading two guys are HRO and CC Sabathia, who I think are both first ballot guys. So though, you know, and then you got whoever else is kind of still on the ballot left over from last year. So it gets, it gets crowded in a hurry. Yeah. And I will say this, the other thing about, about a ballot and I, and maybe I'm a little bit different than some people on this too, is they're also, now I think. Beltray and, and Maurer were, you know, definite locks to me to vote for. And we already explained why I voted for Holiday the first year he was on the ballot. I still do have, and maybe I'm in the minority of some voters when you do this, but I still do have a little bit different opinion about a guy who's on the ballot for the first time as opposed to other players. I probably do put a little bit more standard in, is this guy worthy to me of being a first ballot Hall of Famer than maybe some other voters do? Uh, so there are probably some guys Go on the ballot, you know, for the first time that I don't vote for that I then don't end up do voting for in a second or third year. But that's, you know, and I know how can you, you say, how can that be happened? Because they just, their statistics didn't change. You know, they had the same year, didn't have a bad year or a good year between now and next year's election cycle. But to me, there is still a distinction to being a first ballot hall of famer that I, I hold that a little bit more in high regard than. Rest of the players on the ballot. You know,
2: it's interesting about Ichiro and Edmonds. Edmonds has a higher career war, and his OPS is 150 points higher than Mm Ichiro. And when you think Ichiro, you think, oh, yeah, for sure, Hall of Famer. And then Edmonds with that really weak showing on the first ballot.
1: Yeah. I, you know, also, I mean, Ichiro is going to be a special case because I do also think you have to take into account everything he accomplished in Japan before he okay. moved to Major League Baseball. You know, I mean, I, I do think the Hall of Fame is, is, basically, you know, for the major leagues. I realize that, but I think there are going to be a few special cases that come along, uh, and, and you know, to, with Japanese players. And I think, you know, Ichiro is, was one of them. Motani will be, you know, obviously, Otani's going to be, you know, slam dunk too. They, whenever he ever becomes eligible and, uh- not Everything he's accomplished in the big leagues too, but and, and let me interject
0: here. I guess I'm being Mr. Negative or Mr. Contrarian today. You know, you I'm can sorry. look, you can look at, you can look at WAR and, and uh, OPSs and OPS pluses, but it's biased against guys that don't hit for power. And mm-hmm. I don't think that is necessarily a negative. Here's a guy that had 200 hits in a year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years straight. Ten years straight. Two batting titles, uh, stolen base title, MVP, Rookie of the Year. Um, I, I don't think there, there should be no question. And forget the OPS. It's just biased against uh, biased
1: against non-power. Yeah, I, I, I would think that's probably
2: fair. All right, uh, let's get some present thoughts. Uh, who does yeah. Matt Carpenter have to beat out to make the team in spring training? If you had to narrow it down to two guys... It's going to be three for for one or two for one. How do you see what's his competition?
1: I don't think he has any competition. I think he'll be the 26th man on the roster, assuming that he's healthy. I now, mean, I think basically, you know, some people are saying it was him or Alec Burleson. I don't think so. I think there's still room for, for both those guys, especially since they traded Palacios. Had, had Palacios still been in the mix I would say maybe he was the guy that one of those three would be the odd man out. Now you would say probably the guy who was on the team the most last year who is going to be on the outside is for me. Because they really don't need, you know... Is can Carpenter be better than the whoever they would have as the backup middle infielder because you still have Edmund. Even if he's playing center field, you have him to play, you know, the middle infielder. You still have Donovan, he could play there. You can always call up somebody from Memphis if somebody gets hurt for a long term injury situation. So I, I think, you know, barring any unforeseen developments, I think he's on the club. The uh, let me throw this angle at
0: you. What if our guy, and I mean that me and you, Rob, if our guy Victor <laughs> Scott
1: makes the club? Possibly, but I, yeah, so I don't know who that would bump. That would probably bump somebody in that Rose category because he's in yeah. outfielder coming in. But I, yeah. I, I'd really be surprised if that happened. I mean, he, as much as I like Victor Scott and as, as much as I enjoy watching him play and as much as I think he's going to be a successful big leaguer, I do think he still has to prove himself a little bit more. In I the think high that's leagues. right. I mean, he, really, he really only played, you know, two months in A last year. I mean, he didn't come up to from Memphis till, I mean, from Springfield till middle of the summer, right about the time of the All-Star game. So, you know, he played there the rest of the season. They played well in the fall league too, but I think you let him go to Memphis and play mm-hmm. every day. The start first half of the season and see how you know see how win's playing, see how Edmund's playing, and then round the middle of the summer, then we make a decision on whether he's ready or not. I think that's right.
2: Uh Gordon Grassefo was pretty impressive, I felt, at the winter meetings, just the way he spoke and the way he carried himself. Uh how close is he and does he have like number three starting stuff eventually, or could it be a two or well,
1: what do you think future wise? Yeah, I think in that mid range, I think he's closer this spring as a bullpen guy than as a starter. So if, if if to me, I mean, is there really kind of throwing everything into the mix there as far as all these extra guys they brought in to, to be candidates for the bullpen? I wouldn't overrule him as a possibility, especially again, because he didn't pitch a whole lot last year because of injuries. So maybe he's a guy you could kind of, you know, bring up as a bullpen guy and, and get him again some experience and some innings and then worry about extending him a little bit in the future when you have more needs for a starting pitcher. But, um, yeah, he's, I don't think he's ready to be a starter in the big leagues right now, but I think maybe by the end of the year. But uh, I think he possibly could be a bullpen guy right now.
2: Good stuff, sir. We greatly appreciate your time. What do you have coming up next? We saw your Hall of Fame column. What's next for you? Are you headed to spring training soon? Or? We are
1: headed to spring training, middle of February, about the time that the workouts begin. We're a couple other uh, other things starting to get ready to count for some pre- pre-spring pre training stories. So started doing some podcasts. We'll have one of those up later this week. So.
2: He's a great follow on Twitter, especially on game nights. Rob, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much, sir.
1: Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, Rob.
2: Rob Range joining us.